Hey, everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another thrilling, exciting, amazing edition of Snowbirding 101. I'm here with Christine McKinley, joining us from sunny Orlando, Florida. What up? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful today. That is uh, a lot more than what can be said for New England. Sound like a broken record here, but uh, <laughs> every show. At least it's getting a little warmer. I didn't wear my heavy coat today. I was going to say, you have to be warming up soon, right? I mean, I don't even know how it works. It's just kind of always like nice here, so I don't know. <laughs> well, we, uh, we're in the 50s. <laughs> That's so cold. It's raining again. It's every day. Yeah, we're in like Ugg boots and like parkas if it's 50. So I know it's very sad. Um, <laughs> but uh, another reason why um, all of us are kind of this time of year, especially we're this close to spring. Yeah. I'm thinking about why in the heck do we live in New England? And is there some sort of escape, an oasis? Yeah, an escape, uh, tropical escape. That's it. That's just it. So we're here. Months, you know, what? just for those couple months, just for those hard, those hard, harsh winters. That's right. That's right. And then we come back up here in the spring, which is really like two weeks in July mm -hmm. or in June. Okay. And you know, enjoy the summer out here, hang out with the kiddos, you know, the families up here, and then we yeah. snowbird it back down exactly. after the holidays. So that's exactly. the point. So um, this is episode three, right? Episode three. Cool. three. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked kind of the nuances and the things to really be uh, careful of when you're buying real estate in uh, Florida and especially in and around Central Florida, the area that you cover in Orlando. Yeah. Um, we are planning in the future to have uh, specialists, relocation specialists in all the different markets in Florida and then we'll expand to other uh, southerly destinations as well. Talking yeah. about kind of what, um, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the hot spots are uh, in the areas, um, what to the areas to avoid, uh, and the different nuances as there are in every, you know, different type of coastal area, or if it's, you know, more of a, uh, a golf community type uh, of purchase, things like that. So we're excited about that. But I thought it made a lot of sense to kind of start the conversation about, okay, if we're going to be buying property uh, in Florida, you know, how, what are the easiest ways to do that uh, rather than just coming up with the cash and buying it? Obviously, first and foremost, uh, you can obviously refinance your current home, pull money out of that to use as a down payment uh, for, uh, for your purchase in Florida. Um, there, obviously, you could potentially sell your home here if you're going to make the big jump and make the permanent move um, down there and become a permanent bird. Uh, you know, leaving the snow, um, that's definitely an option too. Uh, but I wanted to bring on a very special guest. Uh, her name is Lynn Bagby from Asset Preservation. She's going to talk to us about 1031 exchanges. Right. Exactly what those are, uh, tax deferred type of process that uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with and it's, it's quite confusing. So we're going to bring her on here. 
She is standing by. Awesome. That'll be huge because, you know, a lot of people, we want to help them keep as much money in their pocket too. So not only are we helping you with the process and the different markets, there's a lot, there's a lot that's different between a home that's built there and a home that's built here, but we want to help everybody you know, save as much money and do it the smartest way. Yeah, absolutely. And Lynn, uh, can you hear us okay? Yes, good morning, Bill. Good morning, Christine. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, Lynn, uh, we've been working together for a few years now. Uh, Many. Based in the Boston <laughs> area. Um, and you've always just been such an incredible resource to uh, the people that I talk to who are contemplating uh, selling property and, and contemplating this type of transaction. You're such an incredible resource uh, and very, very helpful. So I really appreciate you joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So we're talking about 1031 exchanges uh, with properties or people who have property, you know, in the Northeast or, or wherever, and they want to, to buy another one, you know, for the purposes of this show in a Southern uh, part of the country. Christine, indeed. Um, we talked about traditional ways to do that and wanted to talk to you about the 1031 exchange. So I guess first and foremost, kind of tell us exactly what that is. What is a 1031 exchange? Sure thing. This is a tax code found in, in the treasury regulations, section 1031 tax deferred exchange. And what that means is if you own investment or partial investment property, which you're going to sell, you'd have to pay a capital gains taxes tax on the sale. And many times that includes the depreciation recapture tax. It includes the federal capital gain tax, the net investment income tax, and the state capital gains tax on that sale. So it can be quite expensive. So section 1031 allows you to defer that gain and the capital gains taxes you would normally pay upon the sale on your next year's tax return when you purchase other investment property at an equal or greater value than you sold for a full deferral. So you can redeploy, get out of the asset you have here in the cold, snowy New England and, um, and move it down into a place like Florida or another area in the country and hold that property out for investment. Okay, okay, great. Like rental so income, et cetera. So it's one way to transfer, get out of that asset into another asset in a warmer climate if you'd like. Okay, fantastic. So you cannot do a 1031 exchange with the property in which you occupy and you and you live currently, correct? Uh, not normally. So if you sell your house, you have the primary residence exemption, section 121. Um, Bill, you and I have worked frequently with people that are multifamily property owners, for example, and they actually happen to occupy a unit. So if it's an owner-occupied multifamily or an owner-occupied mixed-use building where you've been using another portion of the building out for income, you get to use both tax codes, both your 121 primary residence exemption if you qualify, and the remaining dollars that you used for investment would be exposed to capital gains. So you get to use that to go buy an investment asset somewhere else. Okay. Okay, good. So that makes sense. Yes. Um, and uh, for those people who have or um, contemplating a 1031 exchange, what are some of the things, the biggest kind of questions or hesitations they usually have? Well, they, really it's an understanding of the tax code and realizing that this is not a loophole. 
It's a treasury regulation that was codified in 1921, which allows you to, again, get out of an investment pro property that you want to dispose of by selling and go purchase another property somewhere else that you're going to use for investment. The government actually allows you to use those tax dollars you would pay towards your next purchase. Therefore, you're maintaining or you are increasing your wealth in real estate. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a big thing that, I don't know, Christine, do you do a lot of um, 1031 exchanges in Florida where people are kind of, they've got some income property and they, yeah. they're kind of tired of managing it. Um, they've kind of run its course with it. And now they're thinking, well, geez, you know, I'd love to sell it, but I'm going to get creamed on mm -hmm. taxes on this. Yep, absolutely. We have um, UCF, which is a huge university here. Um, it's growing. It's massive. Um, go Knights. And uh, we have a lot of clients who, you know, that's how they started with their investments as a rental for those clients and then for those um, students. And then they took that money out and they purchased the next property. And maybe that was an easier rental. Maybe it wasn't for students and fraternity parties and it went to families. So we do it here a lot. And then obviously, whenever we were talking about this show, we thought, oh my gosh, what a great way for people to bring their New England homes down here. Because there's a lot of great vacation spots up there too. I, Bill, I think, don't you have a couple or an investment property up there? Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Cape Cod and yeah. yeah, it's up here for sure. Yeah. Uh, or New Hampshire, uh, things like that. And Lynn, I think you can speak to, like, I don't think a lot of people think you can actually use a 1031 exchange for a vacation type property. Yes, and that's what many of the clients that um, you and I have worked with, plus others, that what they've chosen to go do. Basically, they've had a property that they've rented out or run their own business out of it for a number of years. Okay, so it's been a while. And now they're thinking, geez, you know, I'd like to be able to spend time with, uh, with hats off to Christine in an area like Florida. And um, how could I have a prop how could I have a property down there that I can use as rental and maybe use it a little bit myself? Well, in 2008, the um, Internal Revenue Service came out with um, vacation home guidance, and the, the uh, section for it is 2008-16. And it provides guidance for those who want to sell an asset or an investment property and purchase a vacation property, very different than a second home. A second one home is something different. It, you can take a home mortgage interest deduction. Usually, you're going to plan to overuse it more than the time that's allotted for in qualifying vacation property. So that's a whole different animal. I just want to talk about 1031 exchange and exchanging into a qualifying vacation property. So Bill, let's use an example that you have a client that wants to sell a property um, here in New England or here in Massachusetts, and they want to um, have a place where they can go maybe for a little bit of time in the winter months to just kind of get a break. So here's what a vacation property looks like. So if they sell here and, they, and in, through 1031, they acquire a property in Florida that they're going to hold out for rent. For the first, uh, for a 24 month period after they acquire it, for two, the two 12 month periods of that 24 months, the property needs to be available for rent. They automatically get they automatically have to rent it a minimum of 14 days each of the two 12-month periods at fair market rent, reporting the income on their um, income taxes, right? Um, but of course, they can rent it a lot more. But they do get 14 days each of the two 12-month periods or less than 10% of the rental time. So that said, say, for example, first 12-month period, they rent the property for 90 days. 
they automatically get 14. Let's just say the second 12 month period, they read it for 180, they get 18. Okay, so after a 24 month period, should they decide to change the use of this property with advice from knowledgeable CPA, their tax or legal advisor, make sure that they have that conversation before they would um, think about changing the use of the property. But for the 24 months after the fact, that's the guidance. And I have that, I think I've said that to you before, I have that available um, in writing on an asset preservation template that we've done to show what the, the guidance is. And, and uh, uh, one of your clients can, and yours too, Christine, can take it to their CPA to talk about. Awesome. Okay, great. Yeah, we do have those materials and we'll be posting those as well. Um, so, so for the first year, for so it's just so I understand, so for the first year um, that they own this property, they have to rent it out for at least two weeks, right? Yes. And but if they let's say they run they rent it out for three months, is it still only two weeks that they can stay there, or is that escalated? Yes, because it's fourteen days automatically that you get to use that are less than ten percent of the rental time. Three months would be like ninety days, right? Right. About. So they get the 14 days. And again, none of it has to be consecutive. If they wanna use it for seven weekends, that's fine. Or they can use it two weeks straight. Um, also the IRS um, doesn't like your family as much as you do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what I mean by that is if you're renting to a family member, it needs to be in the range of fair market rent, needs to be reported on your taxes. Otherwise it's viewed as your personal time. No family discounts. <laughs> no family discounts. <laughs> That's funny. Well, that's good yeah. to know. I didn't know any of that. That's amazing. Sure. Christine, we'll make sure you get a copy of that treasury yeah. right guidance too. I think you'll find it useful. Yeah. yeah. Cause that would go in your end, that would go for someone who's, and even here, Bill, for someone that's selling a qualifying vacation property, wherever it is, the 24 months prior to that sale, if you've been using the property in a vacation area, it needs to look like the treasury reg guidance on the sale side too for 24 okay. months prior to the sale. Okay, okay. so on the flip side, if it'll take Yes. It. Yeah, okay. okay. So now whenever people are looking to do this 1031 exchange, um, do they need, to, does it need to be simultaneous? Because we do back-to-back -back closings all the time, or can it be spread out? How, how soon or close do they need to be? Oh, sure, sure. First of all, I want everybody to think of this as a real estate transaction. You're selling something, you're buying something. Because you're working with investment property, Section 1031 would apply. So you do have some guidelines there. Okay. So, but it's still a real estate transaction. Okay. So you can, you can sell and close back to back if you want, or the treasury regs provide a timeline, which is going to start the date that the, of the closing of the sale of your investment property. So from the date of the closing of the sale, you've got 180 calendar days. So it includes weekends and holidays to actually acquire your replacement property. The first 45 days of that, period is the identification period. You have up until midnight of the 45th day to identify in writing the property or properties you intend to purchase because the goal of the exchange to defer all capital gains taxes is to, is to buy at an equal or greater value than you sold. Okay. Doesn't mean you can't sell for a little bit less than a partial exchange, but that's another topic. But what I wanna really get across to, um, to people and even other agents that might be listening too, it's still a real estate transaction. So you still will be helping your client look for other investment property to purchase just like you would normally would if they were selling and buying a house. It's just that once the closing happens, the timeline starts. So that's why Christine, you probably have some back-to-back -back closings, um, you know, ready 
because people have been looking for those properties they want to buy while you're, you've been getting theirs ready to sell. And I know, Bill, you've done the same thing. Yeah. So there's really nothing different. Just like you were saying, it's just a real estate transaction. So there's no reason why, you know, a seller would be alarmed for doing any sort of a 1031 exchange or there's no nothing different within the transaction. Except, well, there is a little bit of a difference. You are, they're back to back. When you say back to back, it means they're selling first and then buying on the same day or within a 48 hour period. So you do have to use the services of a company like Asset Preservation, who is a national qualified intermediary for 1031 exchange. You must use a QI in order, if you're selling to someone and buying from someone else, you have to have a qualified intermediary to produce the necessary 1031 exchange documents. And, um, and have control of the funds. Okay. And now okay. it's that separate service because here in Florida, um, we don't use, a, we don't have to use attorneys to do our closings. We just have the title company. We don't have a separate escrow company. So can you go over maybe a range of the cost that would, would be for the buyer to use um, that 1031 provider? Sure, sure. Well, ten, um, the fees vary because the, the, this is the most important thing other than fees is, the, is who you're working with as a qualified intermediary. It's a non-regulated industry. So you want to make sure that the qualified intermediary you're using has has been in business for a while, has a good track record, um, has some financial backing, maybe has more than one person <laughs> at the helm. Um, so that if there's an issue that you can get your exchange completed. Okay, so that yeah. for realtors also. <laughs> Pardon me? So all those that's that's yeah. also. <laughs> sure, because you want to make sure your transaction is done properly and can be completed. So that said, fees vary. With asset preservation, our fees for exchange run anywhere between $1,000 and $2,000 based on the price of the property for the delayed exchange format. And it does include the purchase of one replacement property. So, so the, that's probably a fairly standard range. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's good. I think it's really important to, you know, um, there's so many uh, timelines and deadlines here to be working with people that this is in their wheelhouse because yeah. I've had some clients say, well, I think somebody at my bank said they could do it or something like that. And uh, when you're dealing with something like that, this and assets of this size, uh, I, I just think it's a no brainer to go with, with the specialist. Yeah. Especially one that, you know, bill that you would be recommending because you've done it before you've seen it before. And um, obviously she's very qualified. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a certified exchange specialist. I've been one for the past 19 years. Asset preservation has been in, um, operating for 30. Our founder is still our president today and we are backed by a national title insurer. So um, we've got two operation centers, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. So we are a well-capitalized, well-insured fund with people that work here that are quite knowledgeable and very experienced in 1031 exchange. So. Um, just a little bit about asset preservation, but um, I wanted to get back to your clients. So as um, as people are listening and they listen to the podcast in the future, please remember that this tax code is for investment property. But if you have used part of that property as your primary residence and the other part has been reported on your taxes as investment, whether or not you're in an owner occupied multifamily, you're selling a working farm, you're selling a bed and breakfast, you can possibly use both tax codes and take your primary residence exemption and have a 1031 exchange. Otherwise, it's a property that you've used for rental income, whether it's residential or commercial, or you've run your own business out of it, like if you're an auto mechanic, or raw land, if you're selling a chunk of dirt. It all can qualify under Section 1031. 
Okay, that's great. And I think as, as you know, from the snowbirders perspective, um, as they start this process, I think it just makes a whole lot of sense because you're kind of under the gun here with the 45 day identification period is to really kind of know if, at the very least what city you're going to be moving to. Um, and I think most usually have a good idea. They've been vacationing there. But I think I think at this point, especially with the way the market is um, in Florida, that it's it's a little bit, you know, um, more on the buyer side versus just a, a, a crazy seller's market where you can get a bead of kind of what's going on down there and then come back, sell the property here and not, you know, be priced out of a particular property uh, in Florida. But I think it's it obviously just makes sense because of that timeline to um, yeah. go to Florida, get a bead on, you know, do you want to live on a golf community or are you more of a boater? And then are you, you want to live, which coast do you want to live on? Do you want to live centrally? You know, figure all that out first. And then once the clock starts ticking, you, you make a trip and you can decide on something relatively quickly. Wouldn't you agree, Christine? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. You know, one of the things I want to bring up too, a lot of people, they will sell here and they'll buy a, con a condo or something in a community with an HOA that they're going to hold out as a vacation property because they want to enjoy under section 2008-16. They want to have a little bit of time to get out of the snow in the winter and hold it for that 24 months. One of the things, um, Christine, that your um, exchangers need to understand if they're one of Bill's clients and they're selling from here and, they're and you're assisting them is make sure you check those HOA regulations because if it stipulates in there that that property cannot be rented per the HOA, it's not going to satisfy a section 1031 requirement. You would know that. How are you going to be able to use that as suitable replacement property? So right. you want to make sure that you do have the eligibility to be able to rent that property. You can rent it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have so many options here. It's crazy. You've got, you know, the areas around UCF. And I know we're talking about snowboarders, so we're not talking about necessarily people who are purchasing for just investments, but um, there around uh, like Universal and Disney and everything, there are these high rise condominiums where you own them like a condo, but they're condo hotels. So yes. they're always, always rented out. And actually they're sold with the furniture and everything. Like this is even, the furniture is not, they don't even care the, the previous and you can obviously replace the furniture if you, if you want it to look different but they are just vacation homes and of course you can use them for your for yourself um which could be ideal i've actually stayed in one of the original ones in another section of florida oh my gosh it's probably been 15 years ago so and i mean the amenities are unreal you're you feel like you're at a resort there's a lobby just like a resort would be um and then you own it so it's very cool yeah what, um, you know, in terms of like, if you've got somebody who sells an asset up here, Lynn, that's, let's call it, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to net a million dollars on it, but they don't want to spend a million dollars on a, a home in Florida. Maybe they want to spend 500,000. Like what, what can they do to avoid um, the, the taxes or what happens in that situation? Is there anything that, that can be done? Yeah, it can get it gets a little tricky because it's all based on a formula, but you're talking, you're asking me kind of about a part, partial exchange. So one of the things I as a qualified intermediary needs to ask is first of all, have you discussed this with your CPA? 
because if you net a million dollars and realize that in order to, I always have, I'd like to go through, in order to defer all capital gains, you're buying at an equal or greater value than you sold net allowable costs of sale. And you can reach that goal in a combination of one or more properties. But then Bill, to your point, someone says, well, I don't know that I want to exchange the entire amount, but I'd like to do a partial exchange. What would happen? Well, one of the figures that I need uh, as a QI, I need to send a client to their CPA about is to find out what your net adjusted basis is in this prop in the property. That's your tax platform from which capital gains are calculated. And that would be finding out what the original basis is, what you bought that property for, add in the capital improvements that you added to that property. Um, and then also the amount of depreciation you took over the time you've held it for investment. So it's what you bought it for plus capital improvements minus depreciation gives you a net adjusted basis. That's your tax platform. So let's just say net, they probably sold it for more than a million. So net, net the million, that's their net sales price. Suppose they have a net adjusted basis of $400,000 and they decide they're going to buy for eight. Okay. They would defer taxes on the difference between the 400,000 net adjusted basis and the $800,000 purchase. They would pay taxes on the difference between the 800,000 and the net adjusted sales price of the million. So they'd be exposed to $200,000 of capital gain, which would be taxed. They defer taxes between the four and the eight. How's that? That's the partial exchange. Yeah, that's great. And then could they like, what if they wanted to you know, invest the 200 into another entity? I know, you know, you, you talk about their people who, um, you know, just want to get out of the, you know, managing real estate game altogether. Okay, well, those types of properties, well, actually two things I'm thinking. Suppose they just bought a pure investment. I don't know what they're gonna buy with the 800,000. Let's just say it's not a vacation home, but they put it down in Florida, okay? Let's just say they rent it out, whatever it is. Um, they can do one of two things. One of the condo hotels that Christina's talking about is a viable option because that gives an option for a vacation property if they'd like that, or there because property management comes with it, or you're talking, Bill, directly about the Delaware Statutory Trust, which is a passive investment property that is sold by, through a registered rep by a provider of properties. Um, these are governed by the SEC, where you basically can put that additional money into the transaction it's grade A commercial property. You need to be an accredited investor with a million dollars net worth. There's some other things that um, if you don't have the million dollars, there's some other parameters. But anyway, uh, you invest it and basically you collect a check every month and you own a fractionalized beneficial ownership in a grade A high quality commercial property that most people cannot afford to go out and buy on their own. And you, you get a check. Mm -hmm. But registered reps sell them. And again, these are governed by the SEC. And that's something that, you know, if you to cover that balance, that's an option for you, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. So, so what many people do is they'll end up at some point in time in the future, maybe they decide to change the use of a property that they bought as rental or they bought as vacation home with the guidance of their CPA looking through the treasury regs that have been given to us by the IRS. They will end up transitioning down there eventually. And, um, they have these DST properties where they're collecting income. That's a great option for sure. Yes. Yes. Again, totally between that, they've got to discuss this planning, tax planning with their CPA and tax advisor. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. We just facilitate the 1031 exchange. Right. <laughs>
right? Uh, anything that we're kind of forgetting, Lynn, at all that's that's important? Anything that we've missed that you can think of? Well, let's just use a quick recap. If it's investment property or partial investment property, you want to get in touch with both both the qualified intermediary and your and your accountant or tax advisor, number one, to talk about your tax reporting history and how you currently held the investment property you're wishing to sell. Then you want to talk to both the QI and the CPA um, about intentions going forward while simultaneously hooking up with you as real estate agents to see what market conditions are, think about where you want to go and reinvest in so that you can make a formed decision for yourself. Um, a qualified intermediary cannot provide tax or legal advice, but they may be able to help you pose the pertinent questions to your accountant to get advice from. And then if it all looks good, they're listing with you, Bill. Christine, you're down looking for a replacement property if they're trying to, if they decide they want to relocate to the your area or if they're going somewhere else or they're staying within the area that they're selling their investment property, make sure they've got the real estate agents engaged to tell them what their wants and needs are. Yeah. So, awesome. The rest of it's like a normal transaction. The qualified intermediary is that little piece that helps facilitate the exchange portion. Because just one thing to keep in mind, this is still a real estate transaction. Someone's selling something, someone's buying something. Because it's investment or part invest, full investment property or partial investment property, it's a tax transaction too. It's both a real estate transaction and a tax transaction. That's where the qualified intermediary fits in. All the other professionals still do what they always do. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, great. Make it easier? Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, so, Lynn, hey, thanks so much for joining us. If people have questions for you, want to reach out to you, what's the easiest way to get a hold of you? Easiest way, my toll-free number, 800-883-1031, 800-883-1031, or my email is lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, at apiexchange.com. Awesome. That's Thank fun. you so much for joining us. This has been unbelievably helpful. Um, and very informative. Uh, we will field questions and if, obviously send people your way if people have something very specific. If they're unable to contact you, I'd be happy to do that. And thank you again for joining us. It's been great. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Christine. Y'all enjoy your day. Bill, I think we're going to have a nice day tomorrow. <laughs> thank God. And it's Saturday. So I'll take it. It's Saturday. Day. Yes. Yes. Christine, we know you're having a beautiful day. So <laughs> yep. thank awesome. you all. Thanks, everybody. Take care. We'll see you next time on snowboarding. All right. No, easy for me to say. Snowboarding 101. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye now. <laughs>